You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good to see you. Hey, I want to thank you guys for all of your help. Those of you that participated in the One Church campaign, that you saw that video, and we are wanting to finish this year strong, and I'm excited about what's next. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that once we get something started, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, my mind's already on to some next things, and so I can't wait to share with you in January some vision that God's given me for the church, and uh, it's going to include new projection systems <laughs> and uh, fundraising. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, uh, no, I can't wait to uh, share that vision. I'm not going to share any of it because I'm still praying through it and clarifying things and, and, and really kind of in that moment of going, are you sure, God? And so that's kind of where I'm at. So I can't wait to share it with you once, once all that's clarified and uh, we get there. So January is kind of where we're really going to launch that out. And so thank you for being a part of helping to grow uh, ministry. I, the space doesn't get me as excited as people do. So uh, thank you for being a part of that and being part of one church. This weekend, we're honoring our veterans. And uh, if, if, if I, I, I did this last night, and everybody, all of our veterans are slow to stand up because I get your heart in this, but we want to honor you. Um, so if you're a veteran, would you please stand and let us love you and serve you and, and honor you? So. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Um, I don't want to just honor and celebrate you one day a year because every day we wake up in a nation where we are free to argue about the things we argue about and disagree about the things we disagree about and, and complain about the things we complain about because you, you made sure we had that right and protected that right. And so I'm grateful for you and I'm thankful for you. Uh, we've got a, a, a special table set up for all you vets in the commons area. We've got some goodies and uh, one organization that we've partnered with this weekend, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, it's called 22 Kill. Um, and 22 Kill is an organization that started because on average 22 veterans a day take their own life. And so that's unacceptable, and we want to do something about that, and we want to partner with them. And so we've partnered this weekend and, and creating a partnership with 22Kill, and so they do uh, really some incredible counseling work with veterans and their families, as well as they've included first responders and their families. So if, if you would, just, just go get to know them. Just, just let us love you, get to know them, and if you need those services, we want to get you those services. Here's one thing I also know. You have a voice to speak to somebody else. So if you can help in that, you have a voice and you have the ability to help another vet. And so, so use that opportunity. And so we want to help make those connections this weekend. So thank you for that. Um, we're talking about joy and peace this weekend. And uh, uh, going through our, our study on the fruit of the Spirit in this series called Cultivate. So if you got your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 5. And Philippians chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the cabinets in the back of the room for you. You can follow along on the screen, but, but I love giving away Bibles. I love it. I, get, I got to give away Bibles last week, and, and I just, I love, I love, love, love seeing people take the Word of God and getting into the Word of God and reading it. And so uh, there's some things, if you've got your Bible, that I'm going to ask you to kind of underline or highlight this, this, this weekend, uh, because I think there's, there's, just, there's just something that God wants to say to us today. I'm excited about what he wants to say and what he's teaching us. And when we've been looking through these fruit of the spirit, what they really break down to be are our nine characteristics of our father. 
And so uh, God is love. God is joy. God is peace. I mean, when you look at Galatians chapter 5, and it teaches on the fruit of the Spirit, there's, 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 this, there's contrast here. There's the works of the flesh that, that are discussed, but then there's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. It's because grace at work in us and the Holy Spirit producing these, you don't legislate love. You can't legislate peace. You can't legislate these things. There is no law for these because grace writes it on our heart and it's cultivated by the Holy Spirit. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what happens is when we give our life to Christ, when we come to that moment, we got to celebrate Keeley this morning, and we celebrated three last night, and we've got baptisms every service, and and we get to celebrate life change. But what that means is what we're doing is we're celebrating a decision they've already made. And the decision they've made is to say, Jesus, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm giving you everything. I'm putting all of my life in your hands because that's the best place for it to be. And I'm coming to you to be my redeemer, my savior, my Lord. Lord and my God, and, and we belong to him. He purchased us with his blood that he, he spilled on the cross for us, and we belong to him, and, and if we belong to him, then we want to pursue him. I love, I love what Keeley said. I want to follow him, and, and what, what that means is we are going to keep in step with the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and begins to cultivate in us this life that is producing the character of God. So when you really look at these characteristics, God is love. God is peace. God is joy. God is patience. God is kind. He is all of these things. And the Holy Spirit, at that moment where, where he takes up residence, when we, when we lay our life on the mercy of Jesus Christ, he begins to work in us to make us look more like Jesus because that's what the world needs to see. The world doesn't need to see a bunch of, bunch of us getting in each other's way and getting in our own way. They need to see a better reflection of Jesus Christ in our, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our families, in the whole world. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing in us, is cultivating in us that godly character so that we become, it's what Colossians says, right? It says that he, Jesus, became the image of the invisible God. You and I become an image of God where people see that. Man, how do you love like that? How do you have peace the way you have peace? I mean, when we look at these two characteristics, and I picked peace and joy because they really go together because we kind of make them circumstantial. We think, well, I feel, I feel joy when there's peace out here, Right? I mean, most of us, most of us, let me just say it this way. Here's where I really think where we're really thinking is I'm happy when there's no conflict. Because I don't know, I mean, I know very few people that love conflict. I worked with a guy. I worked for a guy. I think every morning his goal when he got out of bed was how do I engage in some kind of conflict today? I mean, it was awful working for this man. I mean, it was just constant tension and conflict, and everything was a fight, and there's just always a fight with somebody, and if there's not a fight, he's picking a fight. I I don't like being around people like that, and most of us are not like that. We We want an absence of conflict out here, so we feel happiness here, and then we start spiritualizing it. Well, when there's nothing hard going on in my life, then I have joy. 
and we reduce those into our scope of emotions that we begin to swing with. Our emotions swing all over the page. I mean, we can be, we can be happy one minute and angry the next. If, if you don't believe that's true, just, just videotape me watching a football game. I mean, I can be so angry and yelling at the TV and veins bulging out of my head and ready to destroy my own TV, and then in 56 seconds, we score 10 points, and I'm on top of the world. I mean, so we swing like that, and our emotions move all over the page, and God doesn't want to do the depth of work in our emotions because our emotions are the most shallow part of what we are. And so God says, I want to do a work in your spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's going to be working to produce joy and to produce peace because it goes beyond your circumstances. And, and, and I want to show you what this looks like. You know, Paul, who wrote this fruit of the spirit, also wrote a letter to the church in Philippi. It's called Philippians. And go to Philippians chapter four. And while, while, while you're kind of getting that set in your mind, uh, let me give you some background because I'm not going to go through the whole book of Philippians. It would take you about 10 minutes to read it. It's four short chapters. It's a, it's a letter, really, that, that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Paul is a guy who, who, who was anti-Christian. He was uh, way against Jesus, and he's persecuting Christians. He actually gets permission to go and arrest them and bring them back for torture and overseeing execution, and Jesus shows up on his way to Damascus, radically transforms his life. And, and Paul becomes this great church planner, and the gospel, the message of Jesus is just what drives him, and he wants to share that message with the entire world. And that message would get him in trouble a lot of times. Paul had a, had a kind of... Um, a bad pattern, we'll say, that he would go into an area, would go into a village, would go into a town or a city, and he would start preaching the gospel. And instead of everybody going, oh, you're right. Man, we really want to know more about Jesus, you know, because that's what happens in our society, right? <laughs> no, riots start. And you're like, you know, we want to kill this guy. Let's stone him. Let's throw him out of town. He would get arrested. And so Paul finds himself in prison because of the gospel, because of Jesus, because he's speaking truth, because he loves people enough to share with them the life-changing message of Jesus. And he finds himself in prison. In, in chapter one, what he says, he says, this is my, for my imprisonment. In verse seven, it says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace. So we're, we're connected. We're these brothers and sisters, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Like, you're partnering with me in my imprisonment. I'm in chains. He's, he's actually chained to a soldier most of the time. He, he, in prison, it's, it's, not, it's not a comfortable place in first century. Very rarely could, they, could you stand up straight in the cell. Um, you, you wouldn't have enough room. There was, there was no place to go to the bathroom. You had no blankets unless they were brought for you. Think third world prison. And Paul's in this situation, but then the theme of this entire letter, while he's in prison, not knowing if he's going to die, he says, look, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. And he's, he settles this in his mind. He says, if, if I live, it's for Christ. If I die, it's for gain. Because the only thing death can do to a Christian and make our life eternally better. Paul's saying, if, 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 I'm gonna, if they're going to leave me alive, I'm going to use every opportunity to share Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected for the glory of God. If I die, then, oh, man, that's my gain. I'm going home. I won't deal with this anymore. I'm going to be in the presence of God, and I don't, I, all this is gone. 
But the theme of this book is joy. So we have a disconnect that joy can come from our circumstances. And he gets into chapter four, and this is what he tells the church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. It's like he, he, he's wanting to reiterate. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. If you didn't hear me, let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, always means always. I mean, when you break down the Greek in this, it means always. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone because there's some division happening in the church that he's writing back to. He's in prison writing a letter back to a church that's having a little bit of division. They're having some spats. And he writes back and he goes, look, you need to rejoice in the Lord. Let your reasonableness be shown. You need to come at this with reason in the truth of Jesus Christ. He says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What he's saying is, look, watch me in this. Don't watch, don't watch Paul. Watch the Jesus in me. So what the Holy Spirit cultivates in me, watch that. I mean, you, you see me up here. This is my best 30 minutes of the week. I mean, I, I managed to string together, you know, what, uh, two hours a weekend, because we do four services. Last night I went over, so it's like a little better than two hours this weekend. You know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a short leash this morning. I can't go over on time, so we're gonna kind of work that out. But that's, what it, that's this is my best time. You see me tonight watching football? That's not my best time, y'all. You see me when I get out of bed tomorrow morning? I'm like, I feel like I've been hit by a train on Monday mornings. I'm just, you know, everything gets poured out. But what, what I'm saying is, what Paul's saying is, the, 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 when you see me walking in step with the Spirit and that fruit is being cultivated in my life, look for that. Because we all balance our brokenness and his holiness, right? And so Paul's saying, look, the, the, the fruit that you see cultivated in me, the character of Christ that you see in me, follow that. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and look beyond the scope of your situation because God's mentality is much different than ours. I mean, and so we've got to start understanding this, this idea of rejoicing is just joy coming out and there has to be a spring for it to come out of. I mean, if our source of joy and peace is anything other than God, it's not gonna produce enough to sustain I mean, what, what, what that means is when he says rejoice in the Lord always, again, I'm going to tell you rejoice. You need to, he's saying that because we got to get this. There's a point. We got to rejoice. We've got to rejoice in the Lord always. If, if we have any other well, it's going to run dry. If, if our source is anything other than Jesus Christ, we won't have the ability to sustain that joy and peace because it's a, it's a finite well. And he's the only one who can give us an infinite supply. 
I mean, if we, if, we, if we set our source of joy and peace in our family, you're going to have that issue at some point or another. But some of y'all are already worried about it. You're like, joy and peace, and it's only mid-November. Man, you're already stressing about Thanksgiving and Christmas because you know what your sister did last year and what she said behind your back, and then on Christmas Day, she's like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> and you're already like, and we're having Christmas at their house this year? I think I'm sick. Isn't it funny this is a time of year where we talk about joy and peace a little bit more, kind of slide into Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we talk about joy and peace more, but we tend to experience it less. It's because we're looking for some other source other than Jesus to supply our joy and our peace. And he says, anything else is going to leave you empty. Any, if, we, if we base it on circumstances, job, finances, health, all of these things will fail us at some point. If it's any other person, any other human, people are broken, we will fail each other at some point. It's not an if, it's a when. We will fail other people, and we can't set our hope and our joy and our peace as a result of what they do in our life or what they bring to us or what they don't do in our life. It only happens through Christ, and, and it goes deeper than our emotions because, because we've got to understand that this joy comes, well, that's, that's why this, this eternal source, that's why James can say, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. None of us go, hey, hey, how can I, how can I have conflict in my life, and how can I create some turmoil because life's just a little boring? But when it happens, we understand that we can rejoice in the Lord always, even in trials, James is teaching us. Why? Because it's producing something in us. God's cultivating his character in us. In James chapter 1, it says what he is producing in us is this maturity. You see in that scripture, it says you will be perfect and not lacking anything, complete. Perfect does not mean perfect in the sense that, that we think perfect is. It's not, hey, I'm perfect. God's making me perfect. None of us have that ability on this side of heaven. The only perfection that we have is what we see in Jesus Christ. What that translates to is maturity. God's saying, look, through, count it joy because through the trials that you face, I'm producing in you endurance. I'm producing in you this steadfastness, this ability to stick with it so that, that what's going to ultimately happen, what's produced out of these trials, is you're going to have more of my character. I'm growing you up. If we're not tested, we don't, we're not going to be trusted in the big things. I would not get on a, a boat going across the ocean and, get, and the captain goes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this cruise line. Uh, I just want you to know I've never sailed across the ocean before. I'm like, getting off now. Because when the storm comes, I want a captain who knows what to do in a storm. The trials that we face, God is using to grow us, but to prepare us to lead others through. It's how he works because he's that source. And it's, it's amazing when we get into this struggle because, you know, we tend to associate our emotions. Actually, in the first century, they associated motion, emotions in your gut. 
Like I feel it in my guts, you know, with all my guts because anxiety will be felt here, fear. And so what we have to do is reconcile that God's created us with, with, with emotions that move all over the page, but he's also given us this mind. And it's amazing how, how much our mind plays an influence into this, this walking and cultivating in joy and peace because the... the the battle for it, the battle for this joy and peace begins in our mind. The Holy Spirit's producing it, but, but it's our thought process. In, in, the, in this short book of Philippians, four chapters, Paul references joy or rejoicing 19 times. It's a major theme of the book. Another theme of the book that when you read it through, you're going to pick up on is how much he talks about our thoughts and our minds. Think on things that are holy and pure, noble, true, trustworthy, praiseworthy. If any of these things exist, think on these. He talks about our mind, and it's amazing how this fight happens in our mind. Our mind is a battleground, and it's amazing how, how we can know the truth we know God's a source of peace. We know God's our source of joy. But yet, we start facing difficult times and our mind starts taking us to these places where we're like, how did I, why am I even thinking this? I mean, last year I was, I was driving through West Texas and I'd been on, it's on a two-lane country road. I hadn't seen a car for maybe an hour. And I, it's awesome. But I come up, and the speed limit's 75 miles an hour on this two-lane road, and I'm like, this is, we're cooking, because 75 to me means you drive 75, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> I remember taking this turn. Hadn't seen another car in over an hour. All of a sudden, this, this big, uh, like, oil field truck comes around the, the, the turn. We meet at the apex, and we drive on. And I had this thought, if he would have crossed that yellow line, I'd be dead. I'd be dead instantly. For 10 minutes, y'all, I'm thinking about this. My mind is like, what would have happened? I mean, it would take forever to get help out here. It, I mean, that truck's a big truck. I'm, I'm in an SUV. Now, I wouldn't, what would happen to Heather? What would, what would, you know, I mean, my mind is just going through all this stuff. And, and, and I'm just starting to get worked up. And all of a sudden, I feel God kind of tapping me on the back of the head, more like, Hey, son. Like, what? He goes, you know what? It didn't happen. 92% of the stuff we worry about is not real. It's stuff our mind builds up. You think about your mind like a train station. You know, just don't get on that train of thought. Like, Heather and I took this date the other night. We, we, it was fun. We, we, go to, we went to Fort Worth, and we got a train to Grapevine. And so we're going, we walk through Main Street on, in Grapevine. It was a fun, it was a fun time. And Main Street, they've already got it decorated like Christmas, right? I mean, it's Christmas has thrown up on Main Street in Grapevine. It looks like a Hallmark movie. So, which, yes, I have to watch in my household. Well, you don't force me to watch them, but they're on. And, and so Hallmark movies, you know, <laughs> ladies, if you don't want me to spoil it for you, just close your ears now. Every Hallmark movie has the same formula. Suit boy is the jerk, 
and the sweater slash scarf boy is the hero, and he's going to get the girl, and the cookies always turn out right, and the snow's always perfect. Nope, you ever notice nobody ever has to shovel that? It's just perfect all the time. And miraculously, there's some guy named Chris that has a white beard. Looks a little bit like Santa, but he always kind of happens to be there when things work out. Like the other night, scarf boy's trying to get to the girl, and his car breaks down, and Chris shows up and gives them a ride, and what do you mean? They get married and live happily ever after. (laughs) Then credits roll. Coming up next on Hallmark Movies, (laughs) Christmas cookies where it all turns out perfectly. You know? (laughs) What was I saying? The train, train. So there you go. Train of thought. Case in point, right? You see how your mind just does that? And when we face trials, our minds go to those places. I mean, we, we start thinking the worst. And we've got to, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, we have to take those thoughts captive. I mean, think about it. They are coming in and they're trying to, they're trying to hijack our mind to get us on a train of thinking. Now, we went funny with the hallmark, but most often the enemy's coming in to get us to a dark place, to think you're not gonna survive this. You're not gonna make this. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. You're never gonna experience peace. What do you, it's, peace is just some semblance of something. I mean, wait, wait, what is it? It's an oxymoron, right? We fight for peace. It just doesn't work. Joy, you really think you're gonna have joy? You really think you're gonna experience joy all the time? And what we have to do is we have to, we, we have to get, we have to fight in our mind. We've got to take it captive. What that means is we've got to arrest that thought. We've got to take it under our control, and we've got to, we've got to filter it through the word of God. That's not the truth, because God is joy. God is a source of joy. I may not be feeling peace out here, but I can feel it here. I can be in the most tumultuous situation in my life. And I can have the peace of God that moves beyond an understanding at work in my heart. And my mind can start to reconcile that. Why? Paul said, it's it's a peace that you cannot understand. I can't fully explain to you mentally the peace that I'm experiencing, but I know it's there. And our mind is that battlefield. And, And what that means is we have an active role in cultivating joy and peace in our life. It's the Holy Spirit's work to produce it in us, but we have to maintain the environment for that to happen. I mean, we can't just say, Holy Spirit, produce in my life and be unwilling to to tend the soil in our life or water it or prepare our heart to receive it. I mean, it's, it's the parable of the sower, right? It's it's the, the seed that was scattered and some some fell on the path. It just gets trampled. It's not protected. It's not preserved. It's not going, hey, wait, we're trying to cultivate something, so give us some space. Some of the seed fell, fell in the thorns, and it grows up, and it chokes it up because it's kind of like, you know, God, I want you to do something, but then our mind takes over, and we start being anxious, and we worry, and it just chokes out what God wants to do in our life. And some falls over, and the birds just come and steal it, and that's the enemy going, there's no way God wants to do anything in your life. Who are you? But the four soils fell on good soil, and it produced. You and I have to continue to get ourselves in a place where we're that good soil. And in cultivating joy and peace, Paul tells us what we've got to do to experience this peace. He says, be anxious about nothing. 
but in everything, pray. I mean, just, I mean, underline on that. Don't be anxious about anything. What is that? Well, can I be anxious about my kids? No, that's part of anything. Can I be anxious about my money, my finances? No, don't be anxious about anything. Can I be anxious about tomorrow? No. Jesus said, you don't even know that you got tomorrow. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything, everything. Pray about everything. You're like, wasn't well, that weird? Isn't God going to like, look, kid, I'm tired of hearing from you. You know, We all have that kid. That one of our kids just wants to explain everything to you, the talker. Or you're just like, can we call a timeout? I mean, they're asking questions all the time. You know, and you praise that inquisitive nature. I'm so glad my kid's inquisitive, but I'm exhausted. And we think God doesn't get exhausted. He wants to hear from us. Pray about everything. Well, that just seems so small. Pray about it. We were praying for one of our Creek ladies last week and for some things coming up. And things ended up being better than, than thought. And she said, I felt kind of weird for having everybody pray for me. I was like, don't feel weird. God says, pray about everything. Pray about everything. But he says, but here's the thing. We, we like to go, okay, I'm gonna pray about everything. But then we like to skip down to that and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We want that. Like, I want that. I want that peace. Man, when, when, when all hell's breaking loose around me, I want that peace. When everything seems dark, I want that joy. I want that. I want that. But Paul's like, well, there's, there's, your prayer life is going to come under the microscope on how you're going to receive that and how you're going to walk in that. Because he says this, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What, what does all that mean? So he, Paul's saying prayer. Prayer is kind of this idea of coming into the presence of God. See, we, we, we reduce praying to, uh, dear Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it. Bless our night. In Jesus' name, amen. And that just become honestly, that can just become this just religious ritual that we do. I mean, it's like the Lord's prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. But we can reduce those words to a ritual and just be like, our Father, our in heaven, I'll be amen. And it's done nothing here. See, prayer is getting into the attitude of adoration and worship. It's realizing we are in the presence of our holy Father, that he loves us. He gave his son for us. He paid a price for us. He wants to receive us into his presence. It's what Adam shared with us in John chapter 14. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back with you, for you because I want you with me. I want to connect with you. I want to be with you. I wanna spend time in each other's presence. And when we realize that, we come confidently into the, into the throne of grace, but we come with this humility and this awe and this wonder and this, this, this amazement that you, the creator and sustainer of everything, want to spend time. You want to hear from me. And we come in and we're like, God, I just, I just adore you. I worship you. And the supplication is, tell me what's on your heart. Share your needs. Share your concerns. See, we always skip right to that. I mean, God's like, yes, I want to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear what you got going on. I want to hear where you feel the battle is going in your mind, where you're, you're not feeling peace, you're not feeling joy. I want to I know this stuff. I want to hear it from you. But, but, but let's spend some time together first. It's kind of like just being the kid and going in. It's like, can I have 20 bucks? Hey, Dad, I need this. Hey, Dad, I need this. 
Well, my kids got a whole lot more when they come and say, Dad, I love you. You losing weight? You look good. I like your hair today, Dad. Oh, baby, what do you want? I need 20 bucks. Here's 40. It's because I love you. And it's not trying to schmooze God, but man, it's, it's realizing he has it. And the next one that we miss is thanking God, thanksgiving. It's appreciation. Even in the struggles, are we appreciating God? Now, this is a hard one, you guys. This is, this is a tough one because we, we, this, is, this is where the peace of God begins to guard us. I mean, I faced a situation where, I mean, I was stressed, I was anxious, I was facing all of this, this, this anxiety, and I just felt God say, hey, thank me. I'm like, for what? I mean, this is hard, God. This is a difficult time. What, thank you for what? He goes, just thank me. And honestly, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not always the super spiritual guy. I'm just trying to think of something to thank God for because I'm so overwhelmed. I said, God, thank you for my breath. Thank you that I'm, I'm, I just breathed. He goes, okay, what else are you thankful for? And for 30 minutes, it just felt like God said, what else are you thankful for? What else are you thankful for? And it started getting beyond the surface to the realness where I could say, God, thank you that you've seen this all the way through. Thank you that your faithfulness is never in question. That you, I mean, I'm just, I'm at a point, and next thing I know, there's just this unexplainable peace that even in a difficult situation, I was like, God, I'm good because I know you got this and I know you got me and I know that you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me and your promises are true and I'm trusting in you. And it's amazing how it begins to well up because we're providing room for the Holy Spirit to cultivate it in us. So I wanna give you a few moments for you to get into that presence with God. The way we're gonna close the service is this. I'm just gonna be quiet. And I want you to just, just express your worship and adoration to God. Tell him what's on your heart. And then just begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Because you don't need to walk out of here with manufactured peace. You need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus because we belong to him and we've crucified our passions and our desires and we're gonna walk in step with the Holy Spirit. So in your space, do that. I'll give you some time and then I'll close this out.
we worship you and we adore you because you're the only one that's good and worthy for it. Thank you that you know our needs even before we do. That you've seen the struggles and the successes that we face and you've provided us a way through those. And we just thank you that, that you're always working. You're working when we struggle. You're working when we're successful. You're working in all things. And thank you. When we don't see it immediately, we thank you. Thank you for your joy and thank you for your peace in our life. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for producing in us what we ultimately need, which is more of your character. We pray this in your mighty, beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.